Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, and each week I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. All right, so welcome everyone to another episode of The Business of Feeling Good. My name is Jason Liu, and I am incredibly honored today to be joined by Craig Siegel. And he's an eight-figure entrepreneur, a man that's not only has built two businesses from the ground up, um, spent time on Wall Street. Um, he has now created the CLS Experience. Um, he teaches one-on-one clients. He's an individual that has just launched his first podcast, so we'll get into that today as well. Um, but he's someone that really embodies getting after it. He's someone that really embodies making sure that you push yourself to your limits to get the most out of life. And he's someone that's not afraid to step into these big moments. And the more and more I dive into his concept, the more impressed I am by the human, um, the discipline that this individual has, um, how he attacks every area of his life. So I'm incredibly honored that Craig, you'd spend time with us, kind of share your journey with us today. Absolutely. What an introduction. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate you everything that you said, everything that you're doing. I'm a huge fan of yours as well. And you have my word and the audience listening, we will manufacture magic here today. Let's talk about that magic here because you've been able to manufacture some really big moves and pivots in your life. And I think a lot of people like the Wall Street part of it definitely resonates. It's it's the money, it's the fame, it's all the things that come along with that title. Tell me about a little bit about kind of that move. How did you get into Wall Street in the first place? And then what was that exit like? Yeah, so... When I graduated college, you know, I wasn't 100% certain of my future, my destiny. It was a little bit lost in the wilderness, as I like to say, no compass. And I was kind of just trying to find myself. And when you're in New York and, you know, you're ambitious and so forth, there's a good chance that you might end up near or about Wall Street. And so that's what I did. You know, I always had a thing for like the stocks and stuff like that. I, I was attracted to it. And so I ended up there. And it was at that same time where I started really doing the homework on within. And I started studying NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and finding out what I was capable of was actually so much more than ever I, I thought possible. And so I built myself, and on Wall Street, I essentially became a grown man. And I redeveloped my confidence, my DNA, my perspective, my map of the world, and so forth. And you know, I had a hell of a run, so to speak. It, it was a lot of fun, but as you can imagine, with Wall Street and the stock market, there's just so much unpredictability. And it got to a point, Jason, where, you know, that happiness, that fire that I once had, it started to to dwindle and it started to become so stressful. I was losing sleep. I was strung out. I just didn't like the path that I was heading down. And I just want to make people happy at, at the end of the day. And, and so, you know, at some point I pivoted from there into a different industry where I started another business. But, you know, and, and it was tough for a little bit because there was so many highs on Wall Street, as you can imagine. And I, and I learned so much there not just about Wall Street, but about myself and about life. And so ultimately, when I pivoted from there, I wasn't exactly sure you know, what the future would look like, but I knew it was time for a change. And so I did that. And 
you know, just the whole experience looking back, you know, those are the experiences that kind of shape us, all the things that we learned. And obviously also all that NLP stuff that I learned at that time would shape me and create the Craig 2.0 persona that I've cultivated here today. So it was a hell of a ride. So you mentioned something really interesting, which is the inside journey. And I think so often when we're in this game, especially I think being men and, and, and masculine at times, it's like you just want to get after it. You want more and create bigger. Most of the entrepreneurs I have an opportunity to, to interview, they talk about a moment. Was there a moment for you where you recognize that the journey was inward? Because I was in a place where I thought that it was always, well, if I hit this, then I got to get to the next level and the next level. And the highs kept getting lower and lower, shorter and shorter, the higher I went. And there was a moment where I had to figure out, okay, maybe it's not externally, maybe it's internally. Was there a was there one of those moments for you? Yeah. What an unbelievable question. It's so true because as I continued to redevelop my mindset and my confidence and what I was capable of, I started to have more success, more wealth, more materialistic stuff and so forth. And you know, it got to a point where like each time I would conquer an accomplishment, so to speak, or a milestone, it didn't feel the way it was supposed to feel, right? As you you assume society tells you it's supposed to feel. And and then ultimately, you know. I came full circle and I started to realize what you just said. And it's like, happiness is not necessarily a result of money or materials or even accomplishing certain goals. You know, you really have to dive deep and, and find yourself on what fulfills you individually as a person. And so I definitely had to learn that 100%. And, you know, it's funny, you always want to learn from what other people say, but I don't know about you, but for me personally, I always have to kind of go through it. I have to get the own experiences. And listen, maybe sometimes you wish it wasn't like that, but that's life. And I would trade nothing for it. Life is a journey, not a destination. But I think there was some point where, you know, I hit a major milestone um, with businesses on Wall Street and, you know, it resulted in a ton of wealth and so forth. And I was building upon this goal for such a long time that when it finally hit, it just, it had like a hollow feeling. And I'd never been asked this publicly. And I've been doing a, a big tour with the CLS stuff on a lot of people's podcasts. I'm so glad that you challenged me with this question here, Jason. It was a point where I, I hit a major milestone and it felt kind of empty. And I, I was a little confused, to be honest with you. I was like, this isn't how this is supposed to feel. And, you know, ultimately you kind of reevaluate and you dive deeper and you find out what's really true and what your core values are. And, like I said, it's a journey and you continue to learn about, you know, what's inside and so forth. But to answer your question in a nutshell, yeah, there were moments where I hit certain goals and didn't feel as though I thought they would. It's interesting. It's, it's such an interesting journey. I mean, I remember the first business I ever was a part of and built. I mean, I spent nine years in a company and the interesting part was it was always a certain income goal that I was trying to get to. And the, the funny part was when I got there, I was more miserable than I ever thought I would be. Like it, and it was this place where I just, and I always thought it was the next one and the next high and the next goal. Pretty soon, I just didn't like the person that I was becoming um, in that pursuit of that goal. So when you got to this place of like, it felt hollow, what did you learn about yourself? What did you have to go back into the the, the workshop and retool for yourself? What was yeah. What was part of that process? Another unbelievable question. So at that point, it, that's where you have to dive deep and figure out what exactly is your passion? What really is your purpose in this world? Because ultimately, if you're chasing conquests or goals or milestones and they leave you unfulfilled, then you're probably not chasing the right 
milestones or the right conquests or the right goals. And so, you know, it was at that point where I was at my rock bottom, I would say, so to speak, you know, I was in, this is when I already pivoted to a new business, which is not exactly Wall Street, but we provided capital to other businesses across the country. And although not nearly as stressful as Wall Street, still lucrative, I was just unfulfilled, Jason. I was waking up every single day and it was like, it felt like a job. And it made me sick because like here I was like out of college, I started doing well for myself, making money. And, you know, now I had left that and I, and I started something different. And, and although I still was making money, I just, I wasn't waking up into a triple backflip every day into a split, right? Like I just, I didn't like the person that I saw in the mirror. And, and also I had a, a bunch of other personal things going on at the same time. And I'm an open book. I'll never sugarcoat stuff. I had just gotten out of a five-year relationship. Um, my father had gotten diagnosed with cancer. It was just a, a, a bunch of stuff all wrapped into one. And ultimately, you know, usually work c- can be an outlet, so to speak, if you're passionate about it and you love it. And for me, it was just like the days were tougher. And, and don't get me wrong. I give everything I got to every task I do because that's just how I'm built. And I believe in that. But I wasn't fulfilled. And then ultimately, that led me to my running journey where – I started running these marathons. I ran four marathons. I say last year, but now it was actually 2019 because 2020 went by so quickly for me because, you know, I've been going 100 miles an hour with CLS, but I I built up all this this excess energy and fuel that I had to these marathons, which was so cool because I believe they're 95% mental. And ultimately, once the pandemic happened, it provided me that much needed moment to reassess and really identify what my calling was, which is to help people revamp their mindsets and get them that spark back. And then a CLS was born, Cultivate Lasting Symphony, which is also playing my initials, which is to come full circle back you know, to your question. When you're accomplishing things that you thought were supposed to make you feel some type of way, but they're not, you have to dive deep and really do the inner work and say, wait a minute, maybe this isn't my passion. Maybe it's not my purpose. And try to then lean into what is your purpose? What is your passion? And I believe if you can identify that and everybody can, there are tools, then you'll make it work and you'll be able to manufacture wealth and you'll live your best life. You'll wake up every single day excited. And I was fortunate enough to finally, after some time to get to that point. So what's interesting is that you chose the the methodology of neurolinguistics programming as your way to kind of look within, but also it's it's your vehicle to teach as well. It's one of the, the things in... I like to call it like the, the, the Batman belt, like the, the, the tool utility belt that you can pull out and help people. Most of the time when I, when I speak with individuals, and this is my assumption, right, is that we lean on the tools that were most impactful for us. They were the ones that provided the most amount of um, help or assistance when we were in those dark moments. What did learning about NLP do for you? And for those that maybe aren't familiar with the practice of, of neurolinguistics programming, do you mind kind of just giving them just a brief, like, what is NLP? Nothing would make me happier. And let me just say, NLP is by no means the only weapon in my arsenal. I'm also a big believer in in the law of attraction. And, you know, I have so many journals on my dining room table from sharpening the axe and like say all different types of stuff. I've even got some stuff from the Kabbalah technology and so forth. But NLP, once I learned that, it would forever reshape me as a person and change my life. And the reason why is because NLP helped me understand, Jason, that our understanding of the world is actually based upon our map of the world, not the world itself. And so as we reframe our map or change our perspective, so to speak, we then change our world. 
And so like, it's not what you look at, it's what you see, right? That's an old saying. And it's so true when it comes to NLP and stuff of that nature. Like, I'll give you an example for the running, right? With the marathons. When I first started running, I had trouble running a mile without stopping because I had never been a cardio guy. I was always into weightlifting. But like, was I really out of shape? I don't think so because I've been working out 15 years. Or was it that voice in my head that was telling me I'm not used to this, I can't do it. And once I discovered that NLP also was involved with the running, it was so fascinating to me. So, you know, I, I took control of that voice in the head, so to speak. And then ultimately I ended up running a marathon six months after my first run. And I don't think that's coincidence. And so with NLP, look, you ask a, a bunch of different people who are familiar with NLP, they'll probably all give you a different tool or a different explanation as what it means to them and there's so many but for me it's to be able to communicate with my brain so to speak and reprogram kind of like the movie the matrix on what i'm capable of and the reality is is when you utilize this to your advantage you reprogram your mind it's not what can i do it's what can i do you can really put together a strategy for everything and tilt your head and kind of change your whole perspective and your whole map of the world opens up and expands and it's enriched and from that perspective, you really can do anything. So when you have incredible programs right now, you have CLS, you have the Moonshots one-on-one coaching program that you have here as well. When clients come to you, are there like consistent hangups? Like, is it, are there consistent hangups that people just are stuck at that are keeping them either at a certain income range that are keeping them at a certain place in their relationships? Like, How does the NLP come into play when it comes to helping your clients kind of break through these major shifts or these limiting beliefs that they have? Yeah, I love that you asked that. And here's the thing, like with what I do, right? Like we spoke a little bit about a mutual friend earlier in the conversation before we started. That genre specifically to like start a business, it's pretty like you're in a lane. You help people start businesses. With what I do, with the mindset, I get all walks of life in terms of clients, right? Everybody's kind of dealing with something else. But at the same time, all the issues kind of come back to a similar situation. Here's the thing. A lot of people think that they're broken and that they need to be fixed, Jason. They don't. It's their frame. It's their perspective that's corrupted or warped. And we can alter their frame and then we change their whole life. So I'm a big believer in that people are not broken, but their frames often are. But ultimately, even to be a little bit more specific with your question, A lot of people has to do with limiting beliefs. They don't think they're capable of doing certain things. And then even that, even reverse engineering that a step backwards, has a lot to do with confidence. As I'm sure you can relate to and your audience, when you're confident, when you're in an elevated state, to take on the world, you're on fire, you can't be stopped. When you're in a lowered state, all of a sudden you're looking up at everything. You see obstacles, you see challenges, you see problems. I help people elevate their state. I help people remove the shackles, remove the limiting beliefs on what they're capable. And then from that perspective, whether you're trying to start a business, you're trying to put yourself out there for a relationship, anything that you're trying to do, it all goes back to the same root. So that's the key foundation is to helping people revamp their confidence, remove their limiting beliefs, and kind of alter their perspective and their frame so that they can get on fire. So it's interesting you mentioned that because you have people that are coming in from different places. And so when you're looking at someone that says, hey, I, I, I am trying to, maybe we can go to maybe basic practical here. Like if someone does come in and say, and obviously this audience is typically entrepreneurs that said, hey, I'm, I'm at this income level or I'm at this place in my business where I don't feel like maybe I can 
charge a certain amount, or I don't know if I can attract this type of client. What type of advice practically could they take on today? Or what type of advice would you give that type of a person? Yeah. So for that situation, exactly. You have to expand your paradigms on what you see to be possible for you. And it's, it's a unique word. I use paradigms. And what I mean by that is you have to expand and enrich your map of the world and what you see possible for yourself. So if you're swimming in a smaller pond, so to speak, and you think you can only charge X, Y, Z to clients, and you're kind of stuck in that little area, you're never going to be able to get to that bigger pool or ocean and swim with the larger sharks or or so forth and charge more until you understand your self-worth. You are worthy. All of us are worthy of doing whatever we want to do. And to answer your question, if what that person wants to do is to be able to adjust their income, get to another playing field, so to speak, or charge more for the programs, that's all you're going to start with within and what you feel you know, you're capable of and what you know you're worth to be. And here's the deal. Like you can't play in life small. You can't play not to lose. You have to play to win. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's just how unpredictable life is. It's too short. Know your worth, know what you're capable of and set your price high and do not waver. You know what you bring to the table. And until people kind of change that upstairs, they're always going to have like that governor on their sports car where they can't go past a certain mile per hour. So until you remove that, you're going to be stuck in that pool. Here's the great news. You can move that and you can change your income. Change doesn't take as long as people think. So what's interesting is you just went through this experience yourself in some way, shape or form. Obviously, you had dialed in your high net worth and what your confidence and self-worth is from your days in Wall Street, obviously, with the company that you built funding small businesses, medium-sized businesses here, but you pivoted like in the middle of a pandemic, while most people were sitting around waiting, saying, woe is me in, in challenges, you moved. And there's a certain type of individual that can kind of move against the grain. Tell me about, if you don't mind kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit, tell me about that process. Like in terms of you setting up a business, did you have, did you seek out mentorship in this field? Did you say, I'm just going to throw myself in? What was that process like for you? Yeah, another great question. And this is so valuable to your audience, Jason, because, you know, it came to a point where in the pandemic, I had the first moment that I've had probably in a decade, as you can imagine, owning your own businesses, being in New York City, it's go, go, go. And so the pandemic provided me for the first time since I can remember, just a a moment to kind of catch my breath. And, you know, I needed that badly. I'll be straight up with you. Because, I wasn't fulfilled and I wasn't happy. And, you know, it wasn't just work. Like I was in a little bit of a rut in all facets of life. Now that I think back, obviously you could, it's always easier to connect the dots, look at backwards, but it all stemmed from the fact that I wasn't waking up excited to go do something I'm passionate about. And so, you know, not to sound too spiritual, but when I had that moment during the pandemic, I heard the whispers and, you know, of course, Craig, the writing has always been on the wall for you. You always loved to inspire people. You always had this unparalleled ability to communicate, to actually make people want to improve. And, you know, I've been sharpening the axe for 10 years. Like, and I don't think I've ever even said this publicly, but like my idea of a good Friday night, like is sharpening the axe and getting myself inspired, like doing, like looking in my journals, like doing my film work, getting stuff that gets like a light to spark. And it's like, I've been doing that for 10 years on the side wait a minute, that's really what I love to do. 
let's make this our life. And then it clicked. And then on a run, like within a day or two, I, I thought of the name Cultivate Lasting Symphony. I play on my initials. You know, I bought the domain and I started running with it. The rest was history. And you listen, I believe everybody should seek out coaches or mentors. Everybody needs some support, whether it be a cheerleader or someone to strategically tell you how to do stuff. You know, for me, I did a lot of homework, like just on social media, like even like Jess, who we spoke about earlier, like her content resonates with me because a lot of people are in this space and a lot of people say what you're supposed to do. But when she speaks, like you want to listen, like it makes sense. And, you know, we'll say this though. A lot of people speak about how get ready to have a failed launch or and have to rebrand or you'll launch a program and you'll hear crickets and so forth. And so I heard all that and I wasn't afraid of failure because I finally clicked that I was doing what I absolutely love. So I would embrace any obstacles or challenges that came my way, but I'm very fortunate that everything that I've done has worked. I sold out my program the first day. I sold out my second program the first day and so forth. And with the podcast launch just three weeks ago, we already have 25,000 downloads. So everything has worked. But to answer your question in a nutshell, I use the world as my playground, as my oyster. And I looked a lot around on social media and I saw coaches and stuff like this. And I kind of saw what resonated and I saw what didn't. I didn't specifically have one mentor or coach, but I did say this to myself. I'm going to be 100% Craig Siegel. I'm going to be real, raw, and authentic. I'm going to put out my vibe, my energy. I'm not going to be that guy with the Rolex on sitting next to a Lamborghini. You know, I, I've lived a, a quite the life already. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be relatable. And I'm going to be me. And I'll know soon into the process if people are going to gravitate towards it or not. But I wasn't afraid to fail. And, you know, thank goodness. I created that Hollywood hype and I put out the programs and they sold out right away. So I'm very, I'm very fortunate and, and blessed to have had that experience. But just so the audience knows, having a coach or a mentor is a great thing. I would never shy away from that. We should all have people that we can go to for support and so forth. No, I think what's, what's beautiful is that there's a, there's a nice blend between, I think the people that make it in this space, there's always, there's always going to be formulas. There's always ways of doing things. But I think that when you've gone through a couple different, the pain of the pain of dialing in like a business and like it getting somewhere and just not being your thing, you're at this stage where you building this business is more about Craig's authenticity. It's more about Craig being happy and fulfilled with who he is and serving other people right now, my interpretation, than it is about making sure it's right or correct or um, fits into a certain formula. So I give you a lot of credit for being able to just look and act right? That's, that's what most people miss is the acting part of seeing what other people are doing and saying, Hey, I'm going to find my own way. And you have, I mean, that's, it's incredible to see what you've created in such a short amount of time. Yet, like you said, you've been in the cave, you've been working at it for the past 10 years. Can I ask you, and if you want to comment on that, you're more than welcome to, but can I ask you about what sharpening your axe looks like? What is, what is for you? Because not everyone has that behind the scenes discipline, whether it's books or reading or, or what, whatever you do to cultivate. So what is that process like for you? First of all, I love that word cultivate. Second of all, yes, to, to sharpen the ax, you know, that's my thing. And I always talk about it. And for me, it's watching something inspirational. It's writing in one of my seven journals that I have on my dining room table and 
the journals are all for different reasons, right? Like one might be for NLP, one might be for the law of attraction, one might be for Kabbalah. One is just from all the books that I read, instead of having to go back and, and read a great book. And I, I know you're a big reader too. You know, like I said, I did my homework. I know you're a big fan of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I take notes of all the books that I read or the movies that I watch. I put people down that I like to model, as we spoke about earlier in the conversation. What is modeling in a nutshell? People that you hold in high regard that have successful attributes, you can model those attributes and bring them onto yourself so that you could succeed like they do in certain subjects. And so I just have journals and journals and journals, all these types of notes and excerpts that I go back to all the time. I'm constantly adding to them. I'm always looking to read more stuff and listen to a good podcast, whatever the case may be, collaborate with great people like you that I could learn from and just connect with. And so sharpening the axe to me is just really using the world as your playground and getting inspired from all different areas. Let me ask about the Hollywood launch because you had two sell-up programs right from the get-go. What worked for you? Like, what did you learn in those launches that like really worked in terms of launching your programs? And then what would you go back and change? Like, are there things that you're like, damn, if I had a chance to do this again, like I would totally change this. Great question. So, and just to be clear, you know, let me give a shout out. So where I got that Hollywood hype thing from is one of the content that Jess put out a long time ago. And it's funny because when I had her on my show, I asked her about that and she didn't even remember the specific content I was referring to, but I saved that one and always stuck out with me because it just, it resonated with my soul, the way she described. And essentially what she said was when you're building out a program and you're kind of new to the space, you kind of begin to create that Hollywood hype. And I think one of the reasons why that resonated with me so much is because I'm such a big movie guy. And so the way I interpreted that was like a big movie coming out, right? Like the next James Bond movie, almost a year in advance, we'll start putting out movie trailers to get everybody excited about it. And it works, right? It's like the Avengers, whatever the case may be, they drop a teaser and you get people excited. And so when I said that I'm doing CLS, I did a special trick that works for me is I like to have the world hold me accountable. You know, a lot of people are scared to tell people what they're doing in case they fail. With me, it's actually the exact opposite. Like from the first time I was going to run my first marathon, which is way stepping out of my comfort zone. I told the world I was going to do it. There was no backing out. And so when I started CLS, and you can go back to my content, the first video I ever put out, it's me and this cute little purple button down. I basically sat here and I said, my name is Craig Siegel. You know, this is a little bit about me. And this is what I'm going to do about helping people revamp their mindset, show them they're not broken, change their perspective and so forth. And once I put that video out, Jason, that was the world holding me accountable because I was never a big social media guy. I know that might be hard to believe now, but I'm more of an introvert. And, you know, for me, that was a big moment because I put that video out. I told the world what I was going to be doing. And then I started to continue put out content, whether it be an inspirational video of me speaking, a motivational quote. I built a Facebook group. You know, I built up a nice intimate community there, then the Instagram community, a YouTube channel, and so forth. And I basically began to plant seeds and, you know, tell people what I was up to. And then I put out a trailer, dropping my program on this date. And I continued to do it. And I'm very fortunate that people resonated with my message, the CLS message. I think they know that it's not really about Craig. It's about helping everybody get on fire and and that type of thing. And so once the trailer dropped, then I dropped the program. People already knew what I was up to. You know, I've been talking about it. I've been teasing it for a little over a month. And, you know, people knocked on my door right away, so to speak. And it was a beautiful thing because you never really know what you're going to get until you launch. And the only thing that I did that 
I don't know if I would change it because look in the beginning, and I'm sure you can attest to this when you start something new, you want to have clients. You never want to say no, because that's how you turn an idea into a business. You have revenue coming in and so forth. Plus I love to help people. That's what it's all about. Truth be told, man to man, I took on too many clients in the beginning. I mean, I had about 25 one-on-one clients after the first couple of months. It was crazy. You know, um, I spread myself a little bit thin because as opposed to these other programs out there like Tony Robbins, where like you sign up for a Tony Robbins program, you get his third coach. No, this is all Craig, blood, sweat, and tears. So, you know, I took on a lot of clients, too many, which is why now I, I've segued into more of the mastermind, the group coaching and so forth, even though I still do have one-on-one. But ultimately... That's what I mean by the Hollywood hype. That's what worked for me, planting seeds, like a big movie coming out and doing the trailer. And to be honest with you, going back, like it all worked. So I don't know if I would do anything differently because the formula that I chose and I went with actually worked. It's incredible. And isn't it funny though, like you launch and it's great and it's success and it goes and then you're like, oh crap, like there's only so much Craig in the world. Like there's only so much time (laughs) in the day, right? So like you can take on all the clients and I had the same problem too, is you take on so many one-on-one clients that you just don't have the time for it. Tell me what that pivot's been like to kind of, to kind of change, I wouldn't say change the model because you still have one-on-ones, but I would assume that the idea is how do you get more time back at this point in time as well as the revenue, right? Yeah. So ultimately, when I started CLS, I thought a couple of years out, you know, what this might look like. And I say this as humbly as I possibly can. I wanted CLS to be the biggest thing the world's ever seen in terms of personal development, the apple of personal development, bigger than even Tony Robbins, not selfishly for Craig, but just to spread the message to billions of lives. that Everybody is capable of living the life they desire. Nobody has to stay stuck with shackles on you. You can revamp your mindset. And so when I said, okay. That, that looks great. I could visualize that. Now, working backwards, like how do we reverse engineer this? So it started with the coaching, but make no mistake about it. Coaching was always just one lane of the 10-lane highway we were coming at the world with. And so now we have the podcast, which is helping us reach so many more people. It's a beautiful thing. Um, obviously, we have the YouTube channel. When the world opens up a little bit, we're going to have a speaking tour and so forth. But ultimately, with the coaching specifically, to answer and be very specific about your question, you know, I said to myself, this is a beautiful problem to have because I have too many clients than I really should. How do we maximize my time and energy? Because that's the most precious resource I have. And then, you know, it clicked. Yeah, let's have a mastermind, a group program where I can coach. Instead of 25 individual clients, maybe we have 25 in one shot, so to speak, and, and make it like a family, like a mastermind so everybody interacts. And it's actually been a beautiful thing. It's so much fun. And everybody in it is, is a family, like I just said. And it's it just been, it, that's the way to go. I'll be honest with you about this. Because with what I do is very personal. You know, like I said, like earlier on, there's certain people that just focus on how to build a business. Like that's easy to see 50 people in a group setting. But with personal development, you kind of think everyone's going through something else. Like maybe someone's going through a nasty breakup. Someone's trying to start a business, whatever the case may be. So I had a little bit of a of a struggle to, to visualize putting that into one thing, but then I came full circle and I realized just as I answered you early in this conversation, it all really comes back to the same systematic you know situations, letting go of living beliefs, revamping your confidence and so forth. And so we started our mastermind about four weeks ago. It's been a home run. We sold that out the first day as well. And that's just been such a better organization and use of my time and my energy personally. I think it's interesting too, like 
I've had coaches most of my life. And as someone that relates to the side of being more of an introvert, like I can be an extroverted person when I need to be on a stage or in front of people. But at the same time, I, I do much better on my own. The one thing that I under, I think undervalued in this process and what I hear as well and kind of what you're bringing up and, and what's coming through for me was that I undervalued how other peers see you. So the beautiful part, I don't know if it's happening right now in the mastermind yet. I'm sure it is. But like the way that other people in that mastermind see other individuals as more than who they think they are is so incredible. Like it's, it's one thing to have a mentor say, you can do this. But when your peer group around you are cheering you on or seeing things in you that you don't recognize in yourself, there's something incredibly powerful about stepping into that person. Oh, yeah. And I love that you touched upon that. And it's so true. And let me just be straight up. I'm not afraid to be a beginner at anything. You know, this whole CLS journey is still relatively new, but the mastermind especially is new because we just sold that out and launched it a few weeks back. So I'm starting to see exactly what you just spoke about. And it really is one of the most beautiful things that touches my soul, you know, to see other people in the group just get so exhilarated and, and just feel that, you know, that, that high from seeing other people cheer them on and say, good for you. And like, you know, bringing out some things out of them that, listen, it's always nice to have a cheerleader or someone to just acknowledge that you are doing great. Take a second, like, look at all you've accomplished, look how strong you are, look what you've been through and, and so to speak. And so usually it's just me, right, with the one-on-one clients, but to see the other people in the group interact with the other clients, it really is a beautiful and special thing. I'm so happy that you touched upon that. Can we talk, I know we're going to switch gears on you here, but can we talk anchoring here for a second? Because you talk a lot about kind of modeling and anchoring as kind of, I don't want to say pillars or, or, or touchstones of, of your program, but I think anchoring is such a beautiful way to kind of shift state, put yourself back in a place where you were in a place where you were very inflow, in-state, powerful, um, confident. Um, how do you, I've seen different ways of, of anchoring. Do you do it both with like visualizing moments and then is there a certain like physical anchor or a like a thing or part of your body? Like what? I don't want to give away secrets here. I'm just curious, like what's this anchoring process work for you? Yeah, it's a great question. So for me, most of it is visualization, but I have done the physical touch as well in the past where like, you know, you can even do some hypnosis and like you could touch a certain part of your body and ultimately you'll feel a feeling from the past. That That's all great. And that, that works as well. But for the most part, most of the stuff that I focus on is the art of visualization. And let me explain. So like, for example, I had a big speaking engagement about a month ago where I was going to speak out in front of a sold out 150 person Zoom thing. Um, it was the biggest turnout of you know the speaking engagement I ever had. Usually they have like 50, 60 people on. I promoted it and they had to even raise a limit of tickets sold several times. So we got to 150. And so ultimately, it would be very easy or normal for me to feel a little bit anxious going into that. So what I did is this, I anchored the state of me watching the movie Gladiator, right? With Russell Crowe. Like I was anchoring the state of when I go to perform in front of these 150 people and obviously it ended up going live on Facebook. So it was really in front of about 4,000 people. I anchored a gladiator in his arena. And in my thought process was this, a gladiator is very comfortable in their arena. That's where they feel most at home. They're not nervous. Like that's who, who they are. That's where they're meant to be. And I stepped into that moment and I approached that for the speaking engagement. And 
you know, I hit a home run. I was super confident. I didn't feel any of the nerves and so forth. And the other, just to give you another example and for the audience, because this is very valuable, this is tangible techniques that your audience can take and apply to their life. You know, another feeling that I like to anchor for different situations is the feeling that I had when I crossed the finish line of my most recent marathon, where I absolutely crushed it in Philadelphia in the pouring rain. I PR'd, which for the audience doesn't know is a personal record, and I ran a 339, which for me was, you know, it was a great time. Really, for anyone, it's a great time. Thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And my brother was there. It was just a special weekend. I remember crossing the finish line. I had a PR. It was the pouring rain. I gave my brother a big hug. And I just remember looking around and seeing literally everything about it, like smelling the air in Philadelphia, seeing the rain, just everything about that. I can put myself in that state, how I felt, how I walked, how I was breathing, everything about the situation for 30 seconds to a minute. And then I bring myself back. And now all of a sudden, I'm in an elevated state because uh, I do this on a very deep level. And then I step into that. And whatever task I need to do or I'm going to accomplish I now approach it from a much more elevated state. And this is so significant to life. And I'll just give you guys one last example. Recently, I had to make a tough phone call. It wasn't really that tough, but I was putting it off. And, and I'll just be very vulnerable with you right now and authentic. Like, I'm not afraid to admit it. Like, I had to make a call and I was kind of putting it off, whatever the case may be. I had to negotiate something. And I was like, all right, I'll put it off a couple of days. Let me get in a higher state. And ultimately, when I got, time to like, all right, it's time to make this call. I did my anchoring. I got myself in a very elevated state. And I was like, instead of like, let's push this call up another day from that elevated state. I was like, there's nothing in the world that I'd rather do than make this phone call right now. I went into that phone call. I kicked ass. I had my homework prepared. You know, I said what I needed to say and I took care of business and I got it done in the best way possible, exactly as I visualized it. But the point of the story is this from an elevated state, you can do anything. The answers about how to do things come to you. There's nothing that you can't do from an elevated state. And that's why the tool of anchoring is so important because you have that in your back pocket. You can elevate your state on command for any given situation. And then, like I said, from that elevated state, there's nothing that you can't do. So what's kind of next steps for you? You've got an incredible practice right now um, with CLS you have group program, group coaching right now in terms of a mastermind. Obviously, speaking is on the horizon for you. Where's the next evolution? Where's the next growth point for, for Craig at this point in the journey? Yeah, it's such a great question. So, you know, when I was going into 2020, New Year's Eve 2019, even before CLS was born, you know, I'm very intentional with my journals when it comes to around New Year's. And so, Going into 2020, my, the journal entry was entitled The Rise. And ironically enough, CLS was born that year, or maybe not ironically enough. And so going into 2021, you know, my New Year's Eve journal was The Explosion. And what I mean by that is just CLS is now born. We have a great following. We're helping people revamp their mindsets. You know, we're changing people's lives and so forth. Now it's about like putting it in overdrive and really doing this on the grandest scale and being able to reach more people, Jason. So like, even just an example, like from going from the one-on-one -on -one coaching to the group coaching, that obviously spreads the message. The podcast, 25,000 downloads in three weeks. And by the way, I'll have my girl email you soon. We'll get you on the show as well, because I'd love to collaborate with you even more. And just to speak in engagements, ultimately, we have a lot of surprises to show the world 2021, working on a book deal right now to write our first book, which is super cool and exciting. Um, putting together our own speaking engagements, um, where we're going to host panels and so forth. Um, also 
ultimately we're building a charity right now to kind of give back, which I'll, you know, I'll tell more about a little bit later on, just more of CLS everywhere. So we can really help people understand that, you know, it doesn't take that long to change. Just a, a simple shift in your perspective can open up doors and really change your life. So it's such a good question because I know it looks like there's been a ton of early success and listen, there has been. And, and let me just also say this, just to be you know very raw with you, I don't have a ton of balance right now. And I know that's a trendy word for an entrepreneur, balance. I started CLS in 2020 and I'm working 20 hour days, you know, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And I think that's the reason why we've had a ton of success so far. But a lot of people think it's an overnight success. It's not. Ultimately, at some point, you continue to grow your team and you can delegate your energy and so forth. Obviously, you can relax a little bit. Um, but ultimately, just just keep more of what is. And obviously, the podcast reaching new heights with that and just a lot more surprises to come. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting when when uh, we spend time with entrepreneurs and people just see what's outwardly on on social and they think, wow, why did he get so lucky or how did this happen for him? And it, they don't see the blood, sweat, and tears of individuals like yourself that are that are putting in and burning the midnight oil because none of it comes easy, none of it's no. fast. Um, and you're a testament to that. And, and I'm sure you can relate, Jason. Like I know, like a trendy thing on social media, right? Is you look at a lot of these entrepreneurs' Instagrams. It's all like this is so you can live the life you desire and you see them like on a laptop in like Hawaii or like Bali, whatever the case may be, but pretty sure they didn't start there. You know, when you're building something that's really special and you really want to put your stamp on it, make it authentic and really have it hit home with the audiences, you got to put in the work and you'll get out of it what you put in. And, you know, just to challenge you for a second real quick, you know, when you pivoted and you started doing what you're doing now, which it's very obvious that you absolutely love, I'm sure you were working a ton in the beginning. Am I right? It was a ton of work. I mean, it's it's been very different in my entrepreneurial journey because my first two companies, I didn't have a kid. Like I've got a daughter that's eight right now. So my wife and I have got one kid and it's just like family's always been a big part of my life. I know it is for you as well. And so like being in that background of like family first, it's like, it's totally different. Like it's totally different to, to be present as a father to dedicate time to be like, I'm doing homework with my daughter right now, or I'm helping her out, like work on a like engineering project where we're building like a catapult or something like that. Like it's really cool stuff that I want to be present for. And so like, it means that I have to be more efficient with my time. And so like, you know, the, the hours of four in the morning to like seven in the morning at times or late at night, which typically would have been dedicated to like, I don't know, getting back and watching a Netflix show, like has been in the lab. And so that those little things don't get seen all the time. Yeah. And I, I respect the hell out of you. And I understand, you know, when you have a kid, it, it changes everything because I'm seeing my brother who's my best friend in the entire world. You know, he has my little nephew, little Skylar, the cutest kid in the world. He's <laughs> um, just about seven and a half months now. But, you know, I know it's not easy, in the be- especially in the beginning. It's very unpredictable with, you know, when the kids are babies and so forth. And obviously, they become priority number one and it changes your schedule. So just kudos to you. And I have a ton of respect for instead of making excuses, just finding times of the day where instead of you might have that Netflix show, now all of a sudden utilize that energy for being in the lab, doing what you need to do. So I definitely appreciate that. and admire that about you. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. So how can people get into your world? How do they find you? How do they get a part of your programs? Like what's the best entry point for folks? Yeah. So where I hang out the most, probably Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS. We have the YouTube channel, Craig Siegel. 
my Facebook group and the website are the same, Cultivate Lasting Symphony. And obviously the CLS Experience Record-Breaking Podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, anywhere. Subscribe, download, review, all that stuff. Message me on Instagram. That's where you can find me the most or Facebook. I'm very engaging. I love to engage with the audience. For your audience, tell me that you you know you heard us listen to on your podcast and I'd love to have a conversation with you and we can go from there. But ultimately, I do a lot of Instagram lives with the podcast stuff. I'm always engaging. I always love to get everybody involved because I think that makes a big deal, especially with the audience. And I see you do that as well. It makes them feel part of the family and part of the movement. So all those platforms is where I'm at, but also don't be shy. Message me. I'd love to chat. Yeah, I think it's one of the best things we can do. So if you guys are tuning in or listening, please like find a way to either screenshot this or you know grab something, but let Craig know what you're taking away from today. Because I think that sometimes it helps us as coaches recognize what resonates, what hits, what people need to hear more of. So if you heard something today that's like, man, I, I got to capture that jewel, that gem there, let Craig know what you heard today. Give him a shout out in terms of his work. Please go check out and find ways into this world. Um, he's going to be a massive, massive success in terms of impacting people's lives. The work that you do, my friend, is incredible. Thank you for taking the time. Any final parting words? Anything that you want to say before we wrap today's show? Yeah, I'm glad that yes. I just want to say this. I'm a big fan of yours as well. And like I said earlier in the conversation, for me, preparation breeds confidence. And so I did a ton of homework on you. And I'm so excited that I did because just seeing what you're up to, you know, you're doing everything for the right reasons. You're very charismatic. You're very relatable. Most importantly, you can tell your heart's in the right place. And I'm a big fan of yours now. And for my audience that's listening to, because I'm going to share this as well. Should you check out what Jason is up to? The answer is absolutely. He's just getting started. His best is yet to come. I'm a big fan of yours. Like I told you several times. And trust me when I tell you, my friend, this will definitely not be the last time that you and I collaborate. I'm looking forward to it, Craig. Looking forward to spending more time together, my friend. I'm honored by the time that you spent today and can't wait to uh, do some more work. Absolutely. Likewise. Take care. Take it easy. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag B-O-F-G. Again, that's hashtag B-O-F-G. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going, and it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.